you're, I think, more normal than me. Uh, oh, without question. Two things. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, welcome back to the Refactor Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each and every day. Reporting live from the basement of the Ivory Tower, my name is Frank Cole. And from the brink of sanity, my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 104, recorded on May, what is that in the 19th? 19th. I'm not sure if it's eight or nine, I need my glasses. May 19th, 2023. Um, I bought a new phone recently. Have you, um, when's the last time you did an upgrade? Done one recently? Uh, I'm on the annual treadmill now. The annual um, treadmill. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Do you well, just? It's, do you just not like money? Is that the? Uh, it's, that's most of it. I will just, say. Just, I have so I much of it. Despise currency. I have. I have so much liquid assets uh, that I so like. So much I liquid. Keep, giant um, assets. You know, we have like giant. our house is all electric, so the heating is really inefficient, um, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. in the winter. Like the HVAC bills are crazy. Uh, and so in the winter, I will just burn 50s and 100s in the fireplace. <laughs> it's, it's more it's more cost. <laughs> <laughs> and then so like that, that sort of thing, like it creeps into your lifestyle. You're like, oh, hey, here's, you know, yeah, you kids know. spill some milk. Give me a give me an Uncle Ben uh, 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 and give, give, you know. Yeah, give me an Uncle Ben. Uncle, you can go Uncle Ben yeah. with it with the with the, yeah. with the Franklin. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I um, lifestyle just, creep. I think is what they refer to that as. So, is sure. there like a plan that you're on, or you just say, "Screw it, here's more money each year"? Is that, is that how that works? Like, what do you <laughs> shut do up these, and take my money? What do you do with these leftover phones? Do they become doorstops? Do they become paperweights? Like, what do you do with this? Uh, leftover? I frame them. Obviously, I have to, what arcane tech this this garbage like how could you possibly be seen you know caught dead with a 13 month old phone gosh like what is wrong with you no well i i cast them in acrylic and then i I build a shrine Mm. uh, that i have this secret nobody knows about it yeah Um, yeah i have walks into it just you know And, and I and come out blubbering, you know, just right. boogers and tears, just having having had a, an experience. Yeah, having every had time. a religious experience with the uh, the ghost of Steve Jobs from on high. <laughs> yes, the ghost of Jobs past. Exactly. <laughs> I uh, no, it's like a it's like a monthly upgrade plan. So I do I do pay a premium for the device. Um, you know, there's some I calculated it a couple of years ago with the overages. Um, so it's. 40 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month. And then I get a new, dev- I just get a new handset every year and trade in the old one. Okay. So it's sort um, of like they're on lease then. It's kind of like a lease. Yeah, it plan. is. No, it, no, it is. It is. It is precisely a lease. Oh, it is agreed. exactly. That is exactly what, they call what it, it is. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, is, you, which you is know how, kind you, of dumb. The problem I have is that I can get, I can get 15 to 18 months out of a device max before the battery is just destroyed. Um, I go be, just it's just my usage pattern uh, with with mostly like and honestly work and travel is is a good chunk of it. Um, I just I, I go through so many charge discharge cycles in a week. The batteries don't hold up. And so then that last six to nine months, you know, because I was on a two year cadence, I could get two years out of a phone and then I'd trade up because I wanted to. And well, this phone is kind of not as good anymore. Um 
And then actually my wife talked me into to doing the plan and getting the annual upgrade because she was tired of me complaining for that last <laughs> six to nine months of the two-year cycle mm-hmm. uh, how this thing is garbage and the battery doesn't hold a charge and it's in my way all the time. And she's right. like, why don't you just do it? And it was one of those things that I just did. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like you have, uh, you're just another victim of, of uh, you know, evil big battery. That's it. Yeah. There's those those con artists, those shysters. That is one area where I genuinely have doubts sometimes about the, the phone providers, you know, Google and on the pixel and Apple for the, you know, I would not put it past them to gently, let's say nudge the battery along in its, in its life cycle and make it, you know, like, Oh, how, how old is, how old is this phone? Well, we're just going to make, you know, we're just going to, you know, jack the battery consumption up just a little bit, make that battery go out just a little bit faster. I, I, I just, I can't like, I'm not much, I'm not a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist generally, but that's one that I'm, I'm like, yeah, that really could be a thing. I really do have I my am, doubts sometimes. I am never, I'm never going to try to talk somebody out of a conspiracy theory because I, I love them. I'm a connoisseur of conspiracy <laughs> connoisseur theories. Connoisseur of conspiracy theories. Okay. Um, what I will say though, is I don't, I, I would disagree with you. My, my theory is different. I don't think they're actively nerfing the batteries. I think they do. They make just enough advancement to keep the thing usable for a one to two year cycle. There is no, so, so where, where you're saying, Hey, I think they might be actively degrading it. This is possible. I'm not going to say no, we, neither of us know. I think it's more likely that they simply have no incentive to invest in battery tech that lasts longer because right. that's going to eat into their now now you have solid state batteries which are which are becoming like slated to become practical that could change things meaningfully uh, if they adopt that that could really make a meaningful change to longevity um, mm-hmm. but that's not like production grade as far as I'm aware mm. okay. Well, and it's just, it just has to deal with the battery chemistry. Yeah. Right? I mean, Cause like, I get, the, yeah, you charge and discharge it. And over time, you know, like things change. I get it. Right. Sort well, of. the bat, I mean, the battery's two metal plates with some goo in between. Right. And then one plate holds a negative charge. One plate holds a positive charge. And then that goo mediates the, the exchange of charge. And so the better that goo acts as insulation. So the, the, the closer they can get those panels in the glue, the stronger of a current that they can produce, the strong, the, the higher voltage they can produce, and and the more they can do that, and then they kind of roll it up, the higher density that becomes. Then that's that 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 translates to higher density of the battery. Um, with what happens over time is that that goo can start to crystallize, and it there can be like almost like patterns worn into it almost, mm-hmm. and so and so. Uh, this crystalline structure starts to form. It's called a dendrite, but essentially it it closes the gap in that local area where these dendrites are forming. It it closes the gap between the two plates. Um, And then this causes problems with how the battery holds a charge and how it discharges and all this kind of stuff. Uh, And then what can happen is that if, if those dendrites grow and they wind up touching each other, then the whole battery is just NFG. Um, And that's where you get like spicy pillows that explode. Um, and so the solid state batteries, there's no goo. There's nothing actually moving. And so uh-huh. I, 
that there's not there's not a medium through which these dendrites can form and that degradation and that that thermal change and that charge can like there's not a there's not a way for that to happen anymore and so it's like the holy grail of battery tech gotcha. because you build it once the thermals are a lot better and more consistent and it doesn't suffer that type of charge discharge wear or at least not as fast i'm not like a chemist i you, chemistry know, you for just people rattled off a whole bunch at, more terms than i knew so you well know, but chemistry chemistry is for people that aren't smart enough to do physics so i don't really pay <laughs> much attention to it um <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's as far as I know it, that's like, as far as I can explain it, that's basically what these solid state batteries could mean. And I think it's, it's a big deal. Um, and, and it may, it, there you may have uh, high level board member investors that mm -hmm. are actively nerfing the solid state battery tech because they know it's going to eat into the sales cycle because the modern smartphone, you know, Okay, I, I started, my first iPhone was the 3GS. It was the third phone that they made um, and was kind of a dog. I mean, it was neat because it was new. It was better than what we had in the day, mm. but wasn't really great, right? Um, and so there was a real reason to upgrade to the 4. Right. There was a real reason to upgrade each time. Like there was something... That, that, did that, I have a reason? That I don't even know what this is. What is this? A, an iPhone 96? I did not have a reason to upgrade from the 95, except that I'm on the annual plan and I knew the battery wasn't going to last but a few more months. And and like, if all of a sudden these batteries started lasting four years, I would have these devices for four years at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, the difference between the models, like the, that that slope has, you know, that mm -hmm. increasing slope has definitely plateaued off like yeah. it's incremental changes generation to generation now we haven't yeah, seen anything significant but the yeah, solid it's, state it's battery, like I what's the opposite of a hockey stick curve? it's like a like a logarithmic curve yeah. right it there's yeah. a lot of development in the beginning and then it kind of tapers off to where like right know. like you're seeing Why? a little i mean you're seeing a little bit and over time you know yeah. uh right now I, th I i think that the uh there's a lot of focus on the cameras i think and the the pixel density and the image quality and things like that that gets a lot of that gets a lot of press the uh thickness Does your phone and size all that stuff okay okay you're you're i think more normal than me uh oh, two no, things question. bother me two things <laughs> i appreciate that mm. uh <laughs> there are two things that bother me about these phones number one i don't know anybody who cares about thickness at this point like I'm, I for those on for those watching the video, I'm holding up my phone. Like this is, I, this is a quarter inch thick. I, mm -hmm. Who cares that the next model is a millimeter thinner? I don't know anybody that's using that as a criteria for which device they purchase. What I would rather see personally is a phone that's even a little bit thicker that had a better battery that could last two days without a charge while it's new, or could last a full day on one, a single charge when it's two or three years old. What I also hate, and I'm, this, is, this is related, sorry to cut you off, what I also hate is that at least on the iPhones, we've got this camera cluster on the back. It's this wart that sticks off the back of the case. So the case is not actually as thin as they say it is because you can't lay it flat. Yours has one too. Okay, mm -hmm. a, that's a Pixel device? This is, this is the Pixel 7. This is my new phone. Uh, the previous one I had was the Pixel 5. That 
I think I still have it. Now, what I here. what I thought I just saw on uh, you, you were holding up your Pixel Six. What I thought I just saw Seven. was that 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 camera cluster that wart stretches the entire back of the phone. It it does. So it okay. Is. See now that's actually that is a design. Uh, you, you don't hear this a lot, but that is a design improvement over the iPhone that the Android has. Because guess what? This camera cluster is offset. Yep. If I try to put this phone face down, it rocks on the tape. Yep. Drives me. Make yep. the case thicker so that it can accommodate the camera cluster and a better battery nobody care who cares about how thick they are at this point yeah you, the iphone i don't i don't think the iphone was ever really thick enough for anybody to care to be honest and i get that like you're doing it because we can why do we go to the moon because we can i i get that there's some art to it and there's some a good feels and the engineers like doing it and the designers think it looks better in some chick's back pocket you know sticking out right like a billboard <laughs> but like Honestly, that is not a consideration when people are buying phones. Oh, well, how much, how many millimeters thinner is it than the last? I don't know anybody that cares. Am I like, this is a whole turned into a rant out of nowhere. <laughs> Am I weird here? No, I don't think you're, I don't think you're weird. I think that they have gotten thinner and it's gotten, the thinness has gotten to such a point that you, that, that actually becomes a, uh, almost a currency that you cash in on a little bit so yeah it's already pretty thin i like that it could be thicker if it means i don't have to deal with this other problem so you know you're right and this is the um this is the seven they have the eight coming out the six did the same thing so they've actually mm -hmm. doubled down on this design now for two generations and done this thick band and there's a little and i mean little indentation where the camera sits so the camera is slightly protected by the be you know, by the by that little bit of bevel. So when you, you know when it when it hits something, okay, so that it so that works like slightly proud of the camera glass. Uh, yes, like I mean, okay. you're talking probably less than a millimeter. Yeah, you're probably talking less than a millimeter. Right. But like, so that's a little. I mean, that's that's kind of nice. I would actually, it, huh. I was gonna say, uh, you know, sort of going along with what you were saying. I would take some thickness if it meant protecting that camera lens uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, from, from damage. Yeah. Um, the uh, one thing I, I uh, am glad to not see anymore is that very short lived and very, very stupid uh, trend of making the backs of these also made out of glass. Remember that? No. <laughs> Remember that yeah. when you had like the glass front and then it was the glass back. And I had a, I had an earlier pixel, a three, I think was the one that had one of those glass back pieces. The idea was to make it easier for the contact charging to work. It was freaking glass. Like I had that phone literally two days and I cracked that. And glass. it shattered. Yeah. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, so yeah, we could, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I could probably, I, I don't have a problem with with the thickness on them, they could be probably a little bit thicker. Uh, for me, it was um, it was time to upgrade because battery. Um, I also happened to to crack the screen, and uh, I I would do the repair myself. I actually went online. I may still do it, but I couldn't do it on my daily driver phone because it's such an involved process, and I could not risk. Like I've got it's it, it, it actually kind of infuriates me how. Uh, integrated this phone now is in my life um, uh -huh. because I have 
one-time passcode things on here that I need yeah. to get to work or my, my personal email and that I don't really have anywhere else. I don't have a good solution off of the phone. And so I could not risk, and this is the first time and I, I, that this had happened. And I, and you know, the first time I realized it, that I, I had to have a working functional phone. So I had to buy a new one so that I had a functional phone to free me up to try and fix the old phone <laughs> you oh. know, because I mm-hmm. couldn't risk not having you like, Oh, okay. It'll be, you know, yeah. it's just like, you know, without a car, you know, okay. You can go, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you survive a couple of days without a car, but then what are you going to do? You're going to get it a starts to get really painful. Like it gets yeah. painful. You've got to have some kind of replacement in order to function. And, and if and then you wind up in you wind up into that in that in that uh, dependency hell where like if it doesn't start in the morning, how do you go and get a new car to get where you're going to? You know, it's yes. it's one of those things. I made that mistake once. I I had a whatever phone it was. I upgraded and lost my two FA app mm-hmm. uh, because the 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 passcode that I had stored for it for the backup didn't. I forget what the exact. Whatever the reason was, I messed up AA run and it didn't work anymore. And uh, that was like a really painful. Um, that was that was really painful. Now, the way uh, the way it works with the the Apple trade in is that they they ship you the new one, and then you mm-hmm. get like two weeks to transfer. And then when they send you to you, they send it to you with an empty box to send back you your send old it one. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I they they solve for that. I, I'm sure the the other carriers do the same or the other providers do the same but yeah uh, yeah i did that once with the 2fa codes and i've tried to minimize i'm very careful now like oh okay think this through like we have 2fa for work and so that's mm-hmm. on you know it's yep i had a, i had a 2fa die uh, i had a phone die on me and all of my uh all of my 2fa was exclusively on that phone and so mm-hmm. i had to get the 2fa i i did not have a backup of it running on my desktop or laptop, which I do now, <laughs> but at mm-hmm. the time I didn't, I had no access to all my two FAs and it took me, oh, what a pain in the butt that was to get right. access back to that. Um, now I know, I know our audience is smart enough uh, to use a password manager like Bitwarden, mm, uh, one password, whoever it is. Um, anything's better than nothing unless it's last pass. Unless it's uh, last they still, <laughs> they're, they're still, still in around. business. Yeah, they're um, still in business. Yeah, they're still here. So, for the, for the, for so one thing to know as, as everything goes MFA, uh, you will typically use an OTP app. Don't use SMS, right? That's not, that is not considered secure. Use, no. use an app, use it, use a code generator app. Um, and most sites, when you sign in, they will give you a list of backup codes. This is another real reason to use a password manager. Uh, because you can put those backup. You now you could argue put about the, the security codes. of doing this, but but I you know I put the backup codes in the password manager um, because that's cloud synced. I get I can get access to that if I need it, um, and then I have those. Usually they generate like ten one time use codes um, just in case. Um, mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a pro tip. Yep, for sure. I I do the same thing. I switched to LastPass recently. I don't know if I told you that, but um, or switched not to LastPass. To LastPass? I, I switched from LastPass to One Password. I'm using One, one password. password. I tried Bitwarden, didn't like the interface for it. Switched to uh, One Password. That one's that one's more my jam, um, and uh, it actually functions a little. It's better or worse than LastPass uh, on the mobile. The mobile experience for One Password is not as good as it as LastPass. LastPass mm-hmm. integration with the phone is better. 
uh, the desktop integration and the general password management navigation interface is better on yeah. one password than it is on LastPass. But uh, I mean, these things are neither here nor there. One password hasn't had a massive ass breach of their <laughs> their infrastructure. Uh, and but you're arguing about it. Yeah, yeah, and and it doesn't <laughs> matter. Pick pick one password. Pick Bitwarden. Pick something. Pick something. At that point, at that point, you're arguing between Lamborghini and Ferrari. Just get you fair, one. Yeah, fair, fair point. Fair point. Get you one, and then you can talk to the rest of us that have them, and we can compare and contrast. But you, your opinion doesn't matter until you you drive up in one. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that's just it's not. <laughs> All right. So last thing on the phones. Do you have the protection plan? For drops, scratches, breaks, that sort uh, of thing. Okay, so so two things. I'm going to go off on a tangent. Yes, because that is included with the 50 a month or whatever it is. So, the, yeah. And again, I hate that. It is a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but it does include that. So I get, it's like two complete breaks or drops or replacements oh, um, nice. before it starts cost. And yeah, I think when you, it's like a $50 copay for the claim or something when it, when it happens. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's, so that's, uh, that's through, uh, Apple care and it's built in. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, uh, now that I've started doing that and I've, cause normally, you know, I used to have the phone until I needed a new one. So it would be two or three years before I'd cycle out unless I really wanted the new one and had, had a, got a bonus or something. Right. Um, now, uh, that I have to return these at the end of the year, uh, their leases. So I used to, I used to raw dog the phones. Now I, now I buy a case. Um, and I also put on a, a screen protector, uh, and I got the, the, I'm doing the privacy screen protectors now, um, because Ooh. I'm traveling more and sensitive emails and things. And, you know, so if you're looking from the side, um, so yeah, I uh, so I I do have the the can and even if even if it didn't come with the Apple Care, I probably would have added it again because I'm going to turn it back in at the end of a year, and I don't want them to I don't want them to find a reason to to bill me for some damage to the case or the screen. Has that happened to you? Like, have you been burned on that policy the first time? Like, oh, we found no, a scratch. No, I've only I have only ever broken one iPhone, um, but because uh, I'm I'm just generally pretty good and pretty careful with them yeah. um my record changed when i started having kids with hands um <laughs> as opposed to kids without i was hands. gonna say yeah, um, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have elected the kids that option. the first three yeah the the first three we didn't go for hands and you know it caused some issues so the the newer models we get them with hands <laughs> now and that hands. you know yeah uh, it's all there's no solutions in life there are only trade-offs um <laughs> so with with kids and you know everything and and like I said, having 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 to send it back and make sure that it's in good enough condition to get the money for it. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, fair I would enough. Bought, I would have bought I would have bought Apple Care even if it wasn't included in the in the lease. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. What so, about you? I noticed yours is not in a case. Uh, not yet. It is on its way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought the phone. Good man. And got the uh, ordered the case. Case is on the way. Screen protectors are on the way. Um, I go for the. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the combination uh, wallet uh, phone. Oh, okay. I love these things. I know this is very much a personal taste thing, um, but I hate carrying crap around. And this was mm-hmm. a way to eliminate the wallet. A thing. I, yeah. I generally don't carry a lot of cash. These don't hold cash well. So if you're big on cash carrying, the, these I'm not, kind of I burned it per our right, previous right, conversation. Earlier, right. Yeah, you burn your cash. So it's not an issue for you. Um, it's a, I get a, I get the same kind every time. It's this, what is it called? 
uh, Kezi Home, which nobody's going to recognize, but it's on Amazon, K-E-Z-I Home. They are leather. Um, the phone is completely enclosed inside of it. Uh, it has a fair amount of shock absorption. It does definitely protect the screen. Uh, it's got this little magnet clip. I don't even have to think about it. It just, you know, snaps in there, keeps it closed. Just um, finds its way closed. It holds a bunch of cards, which is what I need. I just need my ID and a you know credit card, couple things, and then I just throw. Uh, yeah, I just throw this in my pocket, and I'm I'm good to go. I look for one thing, I find the one thing. Um, so this has been really this has been really good. So I, I like. Doing so you're this. gonna be a, you're gonna be a pig in mud when I think there are a couple of manufacturers that are starting to do this now, and and I think Android's farther ahead than Apple, but they are starting to use the. Um, uh, use the NFC chips in the phones and the secure enclave for the uh, card information uh, mm -hmm. to do like a mobile auto key. So if you have a keyless vehicle, your phone <laughs> will be able to act as your key for your vehicle. That's cool. Very that sounds cool. like it would be a boon for somebody like you that just wants less things to. I Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Um, I, I mean, I already do it with my. I already do the the Google Pay tap with my money, uh -huh. so I was about to say, hmm, how secure is that? But you know, I'm already doing it with my with my banking information. I mean, how much? I mean, if you know, I I mean, anybody that's, that knows anything about how those uh, keyless fobs work, this, like yeah, the security fob, on them is so so fob. Uh, the, the S stands for secure. <laughs> <laughs> like that's. Wait, what? No, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, so that wouldn't bother me. At that point, though, I'm yeah, worried that, like, it's true. I don't know. You're you're putting a lot of nuts in one basket, though. So your wallet, your phone, which is a tied to your being able to get into work, and then it is your car. Like you lose that one thing, and you're really up the creek. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. Um, that's the one disadvantage. That is the one disadvantage. Uh, I would, ex and I had to, uh, when I got the new phone and I know that that stuff would likely be not instantly transferable because I went from pixel to pick a pixel phone to a newer pixel phone. I was able to do a data transfer. Mm -hmm. Everything made it over all my apps, my background, my alarms. Like I, it was the exact mm -hmm. same phone. It was just cloned effectively. It was really yeah. nice. But what didn't make it over were the credit cards on the Google pay application. It yeah, you knew have to set the cards. I had to set them up again. That yep. was tied directly to the phone. I imagine that keys would be the same way, which would be kind of a pain yeah. in the butt. But, um, you know, yeah, this is uh, more and more interconnected. So anyway, um, getting another one of these wallet cases, this has been pretty good. Um, I like that. Um, so we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, all right, switching gears, because this is not a phone show. Um, ha been having conversation internally about new features development and things like that. And one topic that has come up and I'm sure others have, have dealt with as well is the notion of whether to build versus whether to buy. And mm. by that I am talking about, okay, we, we have a need for insert tech here. Should we go and find a vendor who has already solved this problem and pay them for their solution, probably on a recurring basis, and probably not cheap, or should we take the time to build something that is custom and specifically fits our needs? And this is, I, I feel like this is an ever-present 
um, tension inside of most organizations. And I feel like most teams fall, engineering teams fall on the preference to build because they're engineers and that's what they like to do. And the business side likes to fall on the buy side because I don't need to wait for you to do your thing. I don't need to worry about supporting it. There's a lower risk profile. If it breaks, I have a phone number and a throat to choke. So those tend to be the, the two breakdowns at the, at the really high level. But that's, that's not a, I don't feel like that's, that's enough nuance in the conversation to make the call because in my experience, a really savvy engineering leader, if not the team generally, really doesn't have a horse in the race. You know, they, they gen, if, if you're really smart about it, you actually don't care if it's build versus buy because you're going to go into the situation that you're facing with your eyes open and understanding that, you know, what worked before may not work this time. And so each decision has to be made as its own thing. And maybe it makes sense to buy this time, or maybe it makes sense to build this time. And I am struggling with, uh, with my, with my current, uh, with, with some of the current team in convincing them to have, you know, more of a, um, default posture, neutral default posture, um, Rather than a um, rather than a green field, you know, let's build this thing first. And so I was wondering if you had, I mean, I know you've run into this before, but I was wondering if how you have dealt with this and, you know, have you had any success convincing engineers to take more of a a neutral posture on this or maybe even, you know, explore proactively explore building options before they are buying options before they build. Agreed entirely with your statement that in an ideal dynamic, like nobody's got a dog in the hunt. It is amazing to me how many people will say when prompted out of context, best tool for the job. I don't care. Right. And how few people actually behave that way when it comes time to make a decision. So this is a tangent from what you're trying to get to. I don't know if we want to make a sidebar or not. I'll leave I, that to you. But that is like a whole. Here's your drink. Oh, we're there. We're there now. Uh, black cherry vanilla seltzer mm, today. Delicious. Um, oh, oh, seltzer. Never no. mind. There's like. Oh God. By black cherry seltzer, you mean you have water that has a flat, slightly hard taste. That if I, you know, close my nose, close my eyes, pinch my nose, and. Imagine maybe there's some black cherry in there. That's that's what you're telling me. There are two things I hate. Liars and skim milk, which is water that's lying about being milk. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. Ron Swanson. I, I don't know. I don't know if you can see it, but this is actually I saw him Ron's, on your shirt. Yeah, yeah. This is yep. a Ron Swanson shirt from I was going to uh, work him Roosevelt. in later. On. Yes. Uh, no, yep. Good for you. Good on you for, for spotting the opportunity. to do so. Well, well done. Well done. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's funny how, how quickly, and this is, this could be, this could be an intellectual observation and unpacking of how software teams work at, at where the rubber meets the road. It could also be abstract commentary on humanity. 
but it is amazing how quickly camps form. Opinions are made known, feet get dug in, Mm -hmm. and around and around we go. If there's not an adult in the room to say, look it, this is the facts. This is what we're here to solve for. Here's how we're going to orient the conversation. Let's make sure we understand the rules of the road and and what's healthy for debate. Um, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Well, I think we should. No, we shouldn't do that. It's, ugh, it's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I, one of the big cutoffs I have is building a thing. Uh, if, if, I, if, if I go to the extremes, one area where you would, where I would, you would have to convince me really hard to go in the other direction would be when you're, when you're trying to build a thing that has already been solved, but not just solved, solved a zillion times over. Um, a lot of open source projects fall into this. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, ta- I'll, take a, I'll, I'll take an example that um, we actually were dealing with recently. It was um, uh, web UI components. We were talking specifically oh, about yeah. it. We were talking about a calendar picker, but I mean, you could apply this to you know, a dozen different, yeah. different UI elements. But calendar pickers, we'll go with that one since it was top of mind for me. Calendar pickers have been done and redone and redone and redone. There are open source options. There are closed source options. There are options that are part of you know larger package sets so you can, you know, you can get them within an existing construct or an existing framework. It's 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 so completely done that if you have a problem with the one you're using, blindfold yourself, pick up a stick, turn 360 degrees and throw it, and chances are you're going to hit something else that you could try that probably will work better. And you could keep doing that. And that iterative process of trying different, I'm going to call even the free open source stuff, buy options. You could go through that process of just trying all the different buy options and finding the thing that actually works even 80% of the way and then covering the other 20% yourself in some other way. And you would still save time Faster over the than, build yeah. option there. And I'll, that go, I'll go farther. I'll go farther in that at, at, with a specific example where you talk about functionality, right? UI date pickers or, uh, you know, whatever it is. There are so many options. All of them have opinions. And if you're using a system like that and you find that you're hitting issues with it, either you pick the wrong thing or you're not doing it the way they want you to do it. Because typically, you're still trying to force your style and thought process into this framework or into this library. And you need to be aware that when you make the decision to go buy, and of course by buy, we mean get a third-party lib or open source or actually spend money. custom, yeah. Right, it's build or something else. It's, you know. Yeah. um, They're like, there's going to be an impedance mismatch you pay when you go buy, and it's still worth it. And you have to learn how to, like, if if the rest of the library is fine, you have trouble with the date picker, get over it. Use it anyway. Is it worth your time to go and find a new date picker, or is it worth your time to just figure out how to make theirs work? Right. Right. I mean, before you get to build versus buy, it's, when do you need something new? Right. Right. So, so that can sometimes be, we can have a build versus bride that's a proxy for, we're just not using what we already have the right way. But if you're at that point, 
A, if it's been done a zillion times, it's a strong indicator that you needn't build it. And B, if it is not your absolute core competency, it is a strong indicator that you needn't build it. So right. how many companies, and if you get, I mean, <laughs> between the two of us, uh, we got 40 years worth experience thereabouts. Mm -hmm. How many companies have we seen uh, in total that have built their own systems for timekeeping and accounting and resource management and staffing and mm -hmm. well, I, I, well but our our business runs a little no it doesn't no it doesn't shut up <laughs> yes. shut up and shut up it doesn't you're it works differently probably it does if if you look at like you're gonna say oh well there's this space we need a pro we're gonna solve this space whether it's logistics or whatever it is pick a thing right there are options on the market, and there are probably going to be two or three big names. Right. And if you look at those two or three big names, you're probably going to have the same complaint with all three. That tells me that your business is weird. Not that it's unique and special and needs to be preserved, but there's something you're missing. The reason that these three are all oriented the way they are is because that's what works for most people. Yeah, I would. And so it's, this isn't a core competency of yours. My advice would be, how do we make that work? Yeah, because we're not building something special for this. You say weird. I think you're doing something wrong. Yeah, it, it, that's that. That has been the case. Well, I don't. I don't want to attach. I don't want to attach like a like a moral judgment to it. Yeah, right? You're doing wrong. something differently, and maybe it works for you. But if you want to leverage these other tools, you're going to have to either change the way you do things, which is why people don't do this option. They don't like change, or you're going to have to deal with the impedance mismatch between the weird you're saying wrong, I'm saying weird way that you're used to doing things versus how this system wants them done. And so what you and I have seen, just to, just to dig deeper into the cycle, what you and I have both seen is, okay, well, we're going to use that solution, but we're going to put a layer in between to translate between our weird crap and their system. What has just happened is that you have created net new, beautiful, pristine legacy code that has calcified <laughs> that solution into your environment forevermore. Yeah. I, uh, I want to clarify that when I say wrong, that there is no, there's no moral imperative attached to that. It's simply a notion of tactical execution. But maybe inefficient would be a better yeah, word. Inefficient relative to what others have tried. Other companies have come before you and they have, tried and faulted and learned and we have we have the in in all facets of life you know humans it's, it's why i really like the name refactor for the podcast because none of us gets good at anything by anything other than trial and error we try it we screw it up we modify it we try it again that is how all of humanity is built that's how you learn from the time you're an infant and so there is the reason that standards exist is not for the sake of standards. This is a this is where I like you know, like just societally right now, like we're throwing out standards all over the place. Like we're bucking the trend for the sake of bucking the trend, and we're not actually recognizing the intrinsic value of these things. We they don't exist for the sake of you know keeping you down. They exist because this is what has worked for thousands of years in some case for for certain practices. In the case, I mean, and business is no exception. We, you know, we've been doing, you know, economies and commerce have existed for thousands of years and certain standards of, of doing things have, have come about because it just makes sense and it just works. 
And so you have to be really careful in casting that aside before you go off on your on your own. So yeah, are you different than the business down the street? Of course, every business has nuances, but are you so radically, fundamentally different in in how you do business? Yes, that you and have something, this ra- radically- And for something, that's, for something that's not in your core expertise. It's not right? part of your social so, sauce, right, exactly. So, so my nine to five, uh, I'm helping out uh, a big data analytics company, right? That's, that's what I'm doing these days. And so we have a data pipeline and we have a processing environment and, and we are actually in the midst of, uh, kind of designing, defining, designing and building the next phase of that, right? What does the next version look like? And that is core. That is our special sauce, our ability to ingest and process mass amounts of data very quickly and efficiently and correctly. That is the company. That is what we do. That is our special sauce. Lots of other people have done it, right? I'm not saying we're unique in that we can do these types of things, but that process is our special sauce. Right. Am I ever going to authorize somebody to go out and build a system for timekeeping or inventory management or support ticketing or uh, time tracking or CRM or WMS or any of this? There's no way. There's no way I sign off on this at it ever. Right. right. If if one of the solutions on the market doesn't work for the way our business works, then we're going to change the way our business works and then use that because it will be cheaper more cost effective, more efficient with fewer errors over the long term than any other option. Right. And so for me, that's it. And then you can get down into, okay, so that's nice at the, at the business level. Of course, we understand that we're not an accounting company, so we're not going to build our own accounting software. Chris, I understand, but that's not how it works. No, because at the code level, you can get, I mean, you can get pretty crazy with this. This is why left pad exists, right? <laughs> like that was a whole thing that happened. Um, uh, maybe a little extreme, right? But UI, a web UI is a web UI. You ain't the first one to need it. Mm-hmm. If, if, if there's not, you would have to prove to me that you need a reason to build a new one. Right. Otherwise, and by the way, that's a tough hill because... <laughs> You don't. I don't is care your, who you are. You don't need a new one. Right. Is your application, is your, is the secret sauce of your application so deeply intertwined in the, in, in going with our example here, the date picker that you actually require a custom date picker? I, I frankly have never seen the project that is, uh, nope. Unless you're nope. a dimension traveling time Lord, then you yeah. get, you, know, you get to build your own custom date picker. Yeah, I could, I could, I can, well, I was about to make an, make an exception, but I'm honestly not sure if it is or not. I'd have to go and look at the code. I was about to make an exception for travel sites and airline mm-hmm. sites where you go and book your travel because it is so intrinsic, but even that no. it's, it's a pretty standard start no. and end date and it sets a window and, and you know, nope. it's like, there's no, there's no magic to it. There's, there's no, because the good libraries, there. the good libraries allow you to choose a span. Yeah, and so, and, span. and, and, exactly. and they're all themable. So no, that yeah. doesn't work either. <laughs> okay. So if you if you're, a, if you're a dimension traveling time Lord, you can get your own custom little date pick time and date picker because I don't know, time zones are hard enough when there's however many of them that we have, let alone going into space. Right. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so but a UI for our company, right? We we build a lot of software, right? But a UI is not our special sauce. We don't we don't need custom UI components. We're going to go grab material. We're going to grab something off the mm-hmm. shelf and slap it in there because we're not going to waste our time on it. It's not is not what drives any business value. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. So that's the you, biggest razor. So for you then, so, so I was talking about my, my cutoff going in the, in the buy direction would be just the proliferation of options available. You have called out the uh, attachment and intrinsic connectedness to your special sauce. The, you know, is this, yeah. is this core to what is the unique selling proposition, the USP of your business? If it is, and I then think maybe there might be a case to build a custom, but even then possibly Right. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying mine over you. I'm saying, and like, yes. Yeah, and yeah, well, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in our case, in our case, guess what? We use cloud blob storage. We deal with a lot of data. We process a mm-hmm. ton of data. We have a lot of files, a lot of big files moving everywhere constantly. So you could make the argument. We are just a data management company, mm-hmm. but we are not a data storage company. Right. right. And so that's yeah. again, where you make that distinction. You said there are plenty of options available and it's not your special sauce, just go buy it. Right. Um, represent. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So then what are some arguments? So so we made we made pretty hard alignment on the on the buy side. Yeah. What would be some of the counterpoints on the build side? Like where would you go? No, I'm gonna be hard pressed to 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 buy this. This this has to be built. We talked you can make, you know, you were talking about special sauce, and I think that that's the easy and obvious ones. You was like that mm-hmm. one's on the opposite side. So if this is if you're building your widget, whatever it is, and yeah. it is a it is a core, unique component that you are building, the core unique component that is required that really doesn't exist without heavy, heavy, heavy modification, or even then, possibly not even. Of course, you 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 build it. Yeah. Are there other reasons to justify building? I thought of cost. Of course, cost could be one. Time and and. Time and money, but time is money. So I'm sort of I went back, all that together. So, so this wraps back to, I don't know which episode it was. A few weeks ago, you brought up, uh, there was some, uh, you, you were aware of a company using Splunk and spending what I thought yeah. was an unholy, just an obscene, an yep. X-rated amount of money on Splunk. <laughs> and then a, like the day we recorded that, we were a little delayed in publication. Like the day after we published that episode on the feed, a story dropped that Coinbase was spending forty or sixty million dollars a year for Datadog. We, we talked about it. Yeah, sixty-five million. We'll link it in the show notes. Datadog spends sixty-five, 65 million dollars a year. Million dollars, like Austin Powers meme. There, like, come on, man. That's I. I okay, that is an example where. So here's, but here's the shades of it is a cost thing for me, right? Uh, no companies core competency is log aggregation and metric analysis and alerting, right? Everybody's doing that because they had a necessary evil for running a technology business. Um, True. Yeah. I make the argument that I'm not going to buy, I'm going to build for that. All right. I'm not going to buy app dynamics, Splunk, Datadog. I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm going to build my own, okay? All right. But within that decision to build is a whole bunch of buy. Oh, so what I I'm see what you're do, saying. You're breaking what I'm going to do. All right, go ahead. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go I'm going to get some some raw resources out of AWS and then I'm going to deploy Grafana and Loki and Prometheus and wire up the stuff myself because right. I can pay somebody reasonably competent for a month or two to get us up and running the basics, right? Really get us from zero to one, uh, you know, monitoring the basics and aggregating the essential log items. I can get that done for a couple of $10,000 
Whereas if I just say, okay, Splunk, here's all of my data, A, I still have to deploy into all the environments and, and to all the endpoints. And so there's still a project, there's still work involved for me. Mm-hmm. And it B, I'm going to be paying through the nose for that privilege where really the storage and processing for a Grafana backended by Prometheus and Loki is pretty cheap. So I'm saying that's where I build, not buy. And so when we come to plan the project, I'm going to say, yeah, we're going to buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, so you're actually taking a, you have taken a, so if there is a singularly expensive buy option, there, there might be, if you break it down into constituent parts there, you might be able to recoup some of that cost. Buy pieces by, and glue them together. Buying mm-hmm. pieces, but also doing some yeah. build too. So you've taken this one, you've taken a binary buy you've broken it into several little buys and several little builds and hooked yeah. it all together for an overall cheaper end result. Yeah, I can see that. And with the, with the logs too, you do have a little bit of, um, I think there is a self, uh, you know, there, there might even be some special sauce argument in there. Because uh, when we were talking about logs before, you know, one of the biggest problems with logging is that it's very, you have this natural inclination to, oh, well, I've got logging now. So let's just log everything under the sun and do <laughs> all you know, the things, just, just log all the things. I and- actually had, I actually had a system go down because we filled like a several hundred gig disk with logs with from log something jump. that was unexpected. And then that brought, and then there was a cascade failure where that wound up bringing down half the environment because one log, one disk filled up with one kind of log because something was flapping, and then, and then it it dominoed. Yep, yep, I totally get it. And Which so- is the risk, right? So you want to talk about the 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 qualifier there? If I just go to Datadog, I know that's not going to happen, or I know if it does, they're going to handle it. If I make the decision to build, which is a bunch of little buys glued together with a little bit of elbow grease. I, st- I am still keeping some of the risk. And so that's the big advantage we haven't talked about yet with the pure buy as in trade money to make it somebody else's problem. Yeah. Uh, th- is there is a choke. risk transference there yeah. uh, that I, that I kind of like. Yeah. You also get to leverage the, the vendors total customer network because they're all going to be putting the same pressure on that yeah. vendor to keep their crap up and running. And so you have, so, so indeed not just, are you transferring the risk? you're actually reducing the risk too. It's not just, oh, it's this other guy's problem. It's it's this other guy's problem and the chances Time of him- Times 100. Yeah, and, yeah. and the chances of him screwing it up are significantly smaller than the chances of me screwing it up. And yeah. so that is, okay, so then another another dimension to think about would be risk and then associate with that risk, okay, what happens in the worst case- What does our blast radius look like? You know, how bad is the fallout? If it's something that we are willing to willing or can absorb, then okay, maybe, maybe we do just do this in house because it's not, you know, we can handle the fallout if the worst does in fact happen. And I, and I give you another example of like real life, real time example. We're looking at uh, shifting um, user accounts to a third party, like a cloud provider, like an IDP cloud provider. Okay. And, uh, one of my partners in the discussion said, yeah, for my money, they scale better, their their uptime is great, 
the performance is good. They have all the features we need. This is a knockout. And I said, from my, from my point of view, the big win is the risk transference. I do not want it is it's 2023. I don't want your password. I don't want to <laughs> hold that information. Yeah, I don't, even I don't want to hold yeah. your password. I don't want to hold your facial scan. I don't want to hold your credit card number. Like there is anything. I don't, I don't want to maintain your sensitive data at all. And so if I can make that somebody else's problem, I, just risk transference, man, I'm all about that. Like get it the hell out of my network because that's just, that takes a whole bunch of, the whole bunch of load off of, off of me. Right. Okay. So then I think what the conclusion I'm coming to from this conversation is that the default build versus buy, the default posture actually should be a buy, but what you're doing is checking boxes that if you check enough boxes, you end up in the build category. Well, if this and this and this and this and this, okay, you know, we've run out of options. Build is the only option. It so is. Build is actually the last resort is kind of what yeah, we're saying. I, I think that's what we're getting at. Like, like it's, it's a recursive problem where at every level, how much of this can I buy? So, so big project, right? Big hairy thing at the, at the start. Can I buy this? Is there a provider? Right. Okay. No. All right. Let's decompose this into its next largest logical components. What of these can I buy? Right. Right. And then on down until you wind up actually building something. And it, and, and actually it's, I just realized you see, you, you asked the, the right question. Can I buy this? That doesn't mean that that should also include can I afford this? Sometimes, and I mean, this is the case with a lot of startups, you know, I build this because I literally have no other options. Not that there aren't options out there, but the only thing that I have available in abundance is time. And so I'm going to build because I don't have the funds to do anything uh -huh. else. But at the first chance of revenue that I can get rid of this broke ass, you know, custom code, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go and buy a proper solution and put it into place. That conversation happens all the time, but it's the same. I don't I, yeah. I want to call that out because it's not different than what we're suggesting here. It's the same conversation, but the metrics, the the you know, the, the inputs are different. The circumstances leading, change. The circumstances yeah. change. So you're yeah. leading to a different conclusion, which goes right back to where I started with the, you know, you got to think about these things, you know, individually. So you want to start in that neutral position because or in this case, I guess neutral. We we already concluded that buy by default is is sort of the neutral. But start in that neutral position. Consider the the landscape for this particular problem, and come to a conclusion for this problem. Not simply buy all the things all the time, build all the things yeah. all the time. It's it's. I mean, here's a here's a, here's a, here's an example. There's a <laughs> there's an office quote where uh, Michael is that the boss is talking to these two guys, and the one guy says, "Oh, I I can tell you." He's trying to get out of the conversation. He's like, "I can tell your time is valuable," and Michael says, "Oh no, I I I don't get paid by the hour anymore. I get paid by the year, but I appreciate that." <laughs> <laughs> um, it made me think of this though, because there's another, there's another example and it's not, it's not software related, um, but yard work. I, this is like a super, this is like a dad move to take it to, to yard work, yeah, but, but forgive me for a second. Um, when, when we bought our house, um, there was a lawn service company that the previous owner had that came that, that managed the, the, the lawn. Right. And I didn't have a mower at that time because we had rented until we bought this house. So 
I would have to go out and get a mower and we had a new house wife's expecting number two. Like I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still consulting on the side. So like my time, like I am getting paid some by the hour still. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was an easy decision. When we bought the house, we called the lawn service company and said, Hey, can you just keep doing it? Um, and we had the lawn service company for a year, maybe, maybe the second year as well. I forgot, but we had the lawn service company for, for a time. And then at some point we, because we knew, Hey, in terms of dollars, what we're paying for them, I could buy a mower and it would pay for itself in, you know, 12 months or whatever the, whatever the time horizon was. Right. At that point, though, the family situation had stabilized. I had a little more time and we saw the opportunity to save money on the long term. And so one season we called, we canceled, we went and bought a mower and now I'm mowing the lawn. And at this point, though, you know, fast forward to 2023. Now, like the time crunch is starting again because we got the three kids and things are getting crazy. And when we've agreed that when the littlest one goes off to school, we no longer need daycare, that we're going to put some of that money towards getting a lawn service company again. Right. And so it's, it, it's a, it's a contrived, you know, hashtag dad life, but it's, it's a contrived example where like, like the, the, the decision is the same, but the problem space is the same. But as the situation changes over time, to your point, it's changing the inputs at those key decision points. And it's weighing cost versus time versus risk versus effort versus, you know, all of those things as they change. It can now it's easy for me to buy or sell. It's what I mean by easy is it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not a lot of time commitment or complexity for me to buy or sell a mower or call and schedule or cancel a lawn service company. It's very easy to change my mind every year if I want to, right? Um, minus the, the, the cost. Um, it's not as easy for me to say, let's spend 18 months building a system and then three months later say, let's throw this out and adopt a third party because now there's one that exists that's better, right? That, it's, it's harder as a leader to like flip-flop all the time. So you, you, there's like this pressure to kind of make the right decision for the long term, even mm -hmm. if it kind of sucks right now. And, and that, that can get icky at times, I yeah. have found. Well, what I find really interesting about your example is that it, actually it was the same problem and the answer changed in two different time spaces. Mm -hmm. So at one point, buying was the right solution and then it changed. Yeah. And for the same problem, two years later, Building, building became, the, became right the right solution. And now you're swinging back the other way because, again, the situation has the changed. The inputs change. Yeah. And so being willing and able to revisit and reconsider as you go along, again, it's just dogma. Yeah. Just, just don't be dogmatic. Well, and nothing, I think that's the important and, thing. And the reason I think this is a good, a good analogy is that nothing changes. The grass grows the same rate. It takes the same amount of mower blades spinning. It takes the same number of revolutions to cut the lawn. No, we get the same amount of sun and water. Like none of none of the facts on the ground change mm -hmm. on the literal ground. I didn't even think about the pun not intended. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, but but it's the context. It's it's the broader context in which the decision is being made in in how that's being managed. And it's the same thing with well, we can have a dispassionate argument about which I you know which it's sorting library is better and it could be objectively true that this one is more effective because of computer science stuff uh and it could still be the wrong decision to make for the company right because of the broader context it's not all just about the the grass and the blades it's there's more to it than that there's more to it than that yeah exactly and you've got to look at 
if you have only a view, if you're so low on the ground that all you see is blades of grass, you don't have the proper perspective to be making the decision. You're an input to it, but you're not, you don't yeah. have the proper placement to make a decision. And I and, think that, I think that's where a lot of teams run into trouble because you've got the engineering team, which is very much boots on the ground dealing with the technical stuff and don't whether, whether willful, you know, whether being willfully ignorant or because of how the organization is run, you're just, you know, kept in the dark, you know, there are other inputs that maybe yeah. you're not oh, keen, you're keen to. One of our first episodes, we talked about FedEx and how one time I saw a package fly over my head to a city and then fly back over my head the other direction to another city before getting put on a truck, uh, right? That doesn't make any sense, but it does if you zoom out a little bit and you see how that FedEx network works at large, there are efficiencies to the way they do things. And so my little, my little company in the uh, corner of town making little, you know, IoT devices, I, I may have to make a decision that like, somebody from every department finds uncomfortable, but it's the right decision overall. And there are these little micro inefficiencies for something that is kind of globally optimal. Um, I, and that's, this is why, this is why kind of you, you need strong leadership because you yeah. need somebody who's got the stones that's, to say, this yep. is what we are doing and not make it some design by committee. That was exactly where I was going to go with it was the fact that this is, I mean, you, you just made a huge, awesome case for why, strong managerial being willing to make the hard decision and have people upset with you and stick by your guns because you know it's the right thing i mean that's i mean that's the name of the game otherwise you end up in dicey territory sometimes i think it's a la la land navel gazing the yeah, whole time oh my god it's the worst well uh if you mow your lawn or you fly for fedex uh, we'd love to hear about it um we'd also love to hear if you have thoughts on on the buy versus build conversation please reach out to us uh you can do that by emailing us at feedback at refactor.work uh you can send us an email voice recording we'll, we'll play it on the show um uh, if you're interested in our back episodes archive show notes recommendations those are all at refactored.work find more of me online at tonkinson.com and you can find more of frank online at hotcoals.com and as best i can tell this has been episode number 104 recorded may 19th 2023 thanks frank catch you later buddy <laughs>